freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Everybody, welcome to episode number 379 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is things you need to know. And our guest is Paloma Capana. Paloma has been speaking and writing about Second Amendments in the modern civil rights movement for nearly 15 years. In more than 25 years in state and federal courtrooms, Paloma has represented plaintiffs in groundbreaking civil rights litigations. An award-winning activist and writer, Paloma chases the truth until it's, until it's treed. Mm -hmm. The truth she has been hunting down most recently is what nearly really happened on January 6, 2021. And her latest work is a book titled January 6 Times 20, Things You Need to Know. Absolutely. Welcome back to the show, Miss Paloma. And let's see that book. Welcome back. I had turned it to the page we were talking about earlier. So awesome. here we are. Awesome. And you sent me with that and I left it at home. So I'm glad you have yours. There's one right behind you on the shelf too. So that's yeah. good. So Paloma, what's the six times 20? Mm -hmm. What's that reference? Well, it's for those of us that a two by four isn't enough. <laughs> I like um, it. That's where the six by 20 in the rectangle. Um, for those of awesome. you who don't know my writing, every single thing I publish always contains at least one inside baseball joke, and that's the one for this book, <laughs> is awesome. how many months are we going to have to put up with the January 6th committee? How many referrals over to the AG's office, to the DOJ? How many people have to be arrested for simply stepping on a blade of grass? And so unlike my first book, which really is more of a like a reference treatise mm -hmm. that you can keep looking back to mm -hmm. and that contains more than 350 footnotes, mm -hmm. the challenge I put to myself for this second book was to try to boil it down for everybody mm -hmm. so that you could literally turn even to the table of contents and I'll hold that up. And if that's all you read, mm -hmm. well, at least you get 20 sentences in plain, simple language. Mm -hmm. And if you decide that, for example, let's say item number, I'm looking for one here specifically, item number seven and number eight are gonna be the ones that you love, that there was a change to the authority to deploy the DC National Guard the day before mm -hmm. with no change to additional security without approval of the mayor, you can actually walk into your Rod and Gun Club meeting and say, here is the letter from Washington DC Mayor, Muriel Browser, and you can hold up that date, January 5th, the day before, where she literally proclaims, we've got this. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. We've got this and I don't want any other help on the ground. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you point out in there that they permitted up until the day before, I think even. Yes. In such a way that the entire capital would be surrounded. And so it's like, well, that's fine. But then to not realize you know, that there's this hotbed nature of, you know, people feel like things didn't go right with the election and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the divisive politics in play to not think, well, let's have a few extra, you know, law enforcement, uh, you know, people in play. It just feels, it feels funny, right? At, at, yes. at space level, it just doesn't yes. kind of pass the gut check. Uh, no, it doesn't. And as you know, this has always been one of my themes. You do not have to be an attorney to understand American constitutional law. You have to trust your gut. Mm-hmm. And when you look at something like this demonstration map of the Capitol, which is in the book, it actually taught me the numbered grassy areas. That was mm-hmm. new. It actually had me going through hundreds and hundreds of pages of the permitting process, which was completely standard, looking at dates that each one of these groups was being approved, how many people they said they were bringing, the purpose of their particular rally, laying them out on the map, look at how it surrounds the Capitol, and literally had me saying, well, all right, I'm finding these pieces of paper. Let me be sure to include things like, look, here is the proof (laughs) the chief of the United States Capitol Police, Stephen Sund, did in fact sign off on permits as late as the afternoon before. Mm. And yet here is more than 800 people and the Mm. DOJ still going strong at arresting Americans Mm -hmm. who are being charged with things like trespass and like parading. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, attorneys literally stipulating that the Capitol was closed, Hmm. but it wasn't. Mm -mm. The Capitol wasn't closed Mm -hmm. and there was no notice to the public that there were any security issues. Mm -hmm. And the USCP chief testified that he decided to close the Capitol the afternoon of January 5th at 12.52 PM when he was notified of the pipe bombs discovered at the RNC and DNC headquarters. So it was on the 5th or the 6th? On the 6th, on on the 6th at 12.52 PM. So on Wednesday, the day Mm -hmm. of his decision was completely divorced from anything going on at President Trump's rally at the ellipse Mm -hmm. or anything that happened after. Mm -hmm. And listen, logic tells you, you can't make a decision to close a building that's closed. Right, Right. that tells you right there was open right up until 12.52 p.m. on January 6th. Exactly. I thought I saw people just walking through the building. They weren't running or storming. They were just walking, like, looking. And I, mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's weird. Yes. Many of the defendants, if you look at the Department of Justice charging instruments, were in the building, if at all, for less than 10 minutes and essentially behaved like tourists. hmm You walk into that rotunda and the architecture does what it's designed to do. It has the wow factor. You suddenly feel small. You suddenly feel this welling sense of patriotism. And in fact, one of the defendants, Matthew Perna, took a video of himself chanting USA, USA. That's 
hardly someone who is there to shred the constitution or bring down the country. Right. And was he charged too? Matthew Perna, sadly, is the defendant who has taken his own life. Oh. He was charged. He was in the Capitol less than eight minutes. He took this short video of himself, as I described. He did, during the course of the prosecution, decide to accept a plea deal. And while he was awaiting sentencing, which had been delayed a couple times, he unfortunately took his own life. And so we will never have an opportunity to hear his side of this story of why he was there or why he entered the Capitol building. But being in that building so and, sad. you know, taking a picture of him and, and chanting America, all this stuff yes. shows that he was a, he loved America and he wasn't defacing things or causing Correct. problems. And the thing is about taking the plea is so hard because they are, they are put, they have unlimited funds. The government does. Yes. But you you have to fight even if you win you don't get your money back mm -hmm. you just the whole life and everything you have in your life because they have the power to do what they want to do and so they scare people into these plea deals mm -hmm. and how many times do people regret it after they take a plea mm -hmm. yes because especially for a federal charge yes where mm -hmm. even a plea deal to a simple misdemeanor could carry a sentence of one year or more. Right. And even if all that you receive from the court on the sentence following the plea deal is probation, you are permanently barred from all Second Amendment rights. You yeah, may never probably. again in the United States or all US territories possess, purchase, or use a firearm, ammunition, or explosive device. Right. So the consequences just in our world of Second Amendment rights, and that's without getting into voter rights, job applications, mm -hmm. and so forth, mm -hmm. is permanent and serious. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like the scarlet letter that you wear forever. Mm -hmm. And for a nonviolent, uh, you know, hear this, Matthew, you said he was eight minutes yes. of his life. His yes. whole life came yes. down to this eight minutes and when we talk about what was happening during those eight minutes, uh, I actually want to switch gears a little bit and mm -hmm. talk about a news story that just came out last week. We're sitting in the studio on Monday, April 11th of 2022. Uh, one of the J6, as they're called, the January 6th defendants, was mm -hmm. acquitted, yes. was found not guilty of the charges against him for being inside the building for eight minutes or however many minutes he was in there. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about that for just a minute. And um, I also ask you if this could be a good sign of possibly some other acquittals. What, what can you tell us about that particular case that led to an acquittal? Sure. So the defendant that you're talking about is Matthew Martin from New Mexico. And he was found not guilty after two days of a bench trial. His judge was Trevor McFadden. All three cases that have gone to trial, Mr. Martins being the third, was either before Judge McFadden or Judge Friedrich, both of whom are President Trump appointees to the federal bench. And I would say neither one of them showed, as they should not, a particular bias 
in favor of January 6th. In fact, in some of the cases, Judge Friedrich has really been putting the fear of God into some of the attorneys as to what she would or wouldn't be ruling in particular cases. He had four charges pending against him. And I'm, I have a little cheat sheet today, as I generally do when I'm at my desk. But I just wanted to take a moment to tell you those four charges. Entering or remaining in a restricted building, disorderly conduct in a restricted building, violent entry and disorderly conduct, parading, demonstrating, or picketing. Now, you hear the names of these crimes and you start to think, uh-oh, wait a minute, you know, was he one of the guys assaulting a police officer, et cetera? No, no. He went into the building after three o'clock PM. Timing is everything in cases of January 6th. By two and change, the doors are open. And in fact, Mr. Martin presented to the court uh, also with his attorney's assistance and with DOJ photographs and video that the doors were wide open, an officer was standing at the door, the officer did not stop or otherwise instruct him not to enter the building, and he walked straight past him to enter the building. He recorded a video, he was in there less than 10 minutes, he conducted no property damage or theft, he had no physical contact with any law enforcement officers or other persons there. Mm -hmm. The really interesting key here is the Department of Justice did not put any law enforcement officer on the stand. Hmm. Hmm. Even the one that sort of, you know, waved in Mr. Matthew Martin, right? And if there had been video... If he hadn't had video or someone else, I'm not sure whose video it was that helped acquit him uh, to show the nature, you know, the body language, the, Mm -hmm. the speed with which everybody was moving. The fact Mm -hmm. that I think he at one point kind of put his hand on the shoulder of one of the officers like, Hey, you know, thank you. And good job. And whatever, you know, uh, to just show this wasn't some crazed person who Mm -hmm. is trying to be an insurrectionist. If right. there wasn't video of that, he very well could end up have spent many years being labeled as an insurrectionist, being in prison, losing all of his rights, as you just said. Mm-hmm. But thank God he went to trial and he didn't take a plea bargain like some of these other people that I think probably didn't do any more harm than Matthew Martin did. Uh, quite a bit less in fact, right? Because a number of people have have been similarly charged and did not even enter the building. Mm -hmm. But I think this is part of what we need also to understand and remind ourselves of as Americans is the government has the burden of proof here, Mm -hmm. not the defendant. Mm -hmm. We are innocent until Mm -hmm. proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Is that still a thing? Yes. Honestly, it feels yes. like it's not. Yes. Yes. You know, you have your pocket constitution right at your elbow, right there. Just flip your way through various of the amendments. Yes, it's still there. You can still touch it. It is still in print. It is not obsolete. It has not been deleted. But the United States Department of Justice attorneys are trying to cheat. They are trying to put across to the American public a completely false narrative Mm -hmm. by upcharging defendants 
with these crime titles. Mm-hmm. And then their own pleadings, their own documents contain photographs, mm-hmm. like in the case of Matthew Martin, that do not match the elements of the crime right. that they are charging. <laughs> and now they prosecute and they don't even bring the critical witness mm-hmm. to the stand. Right. That's what I was going to ask you. Why do you think that they didn't allow the police to testify? Oh, let me just charge right at the DOJ and hope that they are listening. They don't want cross-examination. Right. There you go. They don't want cross-examination. That's why you don't call a witness. I have done litigation. And actually, my bio, I realized the other day, is more than 30 years. I'm not sure how that happened. But more than 30 years (laughs) in federal and state courtrooms. You do not call a witness, no matter what they might add to the case, that you can't have cross-examined. And then you simply hope opposing counsel does not subpoena that witness to compel them to testify. So, you know, interesting strategy questions abound for me, of course, of this two-day trial. Why did the attorney not seek to subpoena the officer? Particularly, as you point out, Cheryl, given that the DOJ itself was putting forward exculpatory photographs and videos, Mm -hmm. was it almost a missed opportunity to find out sort of discovery on the stand, information that could help other defendants downstream. Mm -hmm. But look at how the newspapers cover things. They cover things based on the Department of Justice press releases. Mm -hmm. So if you go into their website where they have this fantabulous chart of all the defendants who are charged that they do not keep up to date and they do not include all of the documents. But if you click on various of the defendants, you will find press releases about the defendants. And if you line those press releases up with headlines from major media outlets, Mm -hmm. it's plagiarized. Mm -hmm. So even, yeah, so whether it's Fox News, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post is a little better than most, but still, Mm-hmm. These are major media organizations with entire teams of in-house counsel getting paid horrendous amounts of money. Mm-hmm. And they're not even pulling the documents from the federal filing system, which is public, mm-hmm. to read what is available, to see for themselves, is the Department of Justice telling the truth in their press release or selling us a fantasy mm-hmm. that there was an insurrection that Americans are the true domestic terrorist that Mm. needs to be pursued and that the FBI and the DOJ need more funding and more legislation Mm. from Congress so that they can come after us. There's so much. And even the, you know, the people that damage property and things like that, I could understand charges, Mm -hmm. but were some of those instigated by the FBI themselves? We don't know because we have people that, I think there was people that, they had ID, positive ID that were never prosecuted, never charged, right? Well, yes. And for me, and I laid it out in my first book, which came out July of the year of January 6th, I set the stage for what I knew would become a multi-year project. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I'm very calm on my marathon. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm past the first few miles and, you know, Kevin has adjusted our lifestyle and we know that the day gets dropped anytime there's a new development sort of thing. 
But one person I have followed from the beginning who was charged the second week uh, is a man named Thomas Caldwell. And he is accused of being an oath keeper. And his essential defense was, hey guys, I'm an FBI section chief, you can't charge me. And one of the things that I have done is send numerous, more than 20 individual freedom of information requests to government offices and agencies, including the FBI and the Department of Justice to try to get documentation on any word Thomas Caldwell, his attorneys, now he's on his fourth, I believe, or the Department of Justice uttered that might be capable of being proved through a government record. For example, that he had multi-million dollar contracts with the Department of Justice. Oh, wow. So I send off all of these FOIAs and all of them come back either absolutely no record. Mm -hmm. And then I send my administrative appeal and I send copies of the criminal documents. And I say, but look, his attorney is swearing under oath or look, the judge has issued a ruling based upon the following things or look, the DOJ, hello, FOIA to you, you alleged this, Mm -hmm. you put this out to the public. Mm -hmm. Oh, but Ms. Cabana says the DOJ, we've consulted with our counsel. So apparently the DOJ has counsel of counsel mm-hmm. and it would be a violation of privacy. Mm. Okay, mm. but wait, what? It would be a federal crime if Mr. Caldwell is falsely impersonating a federal officer. Mm-hmm. That's a crime. But they mm-hmm. didn't do nothing about that either. They have not charged him with mm-hmm. impersonating a federal officer. Mm-hmm. So what are we left to say? But I, I don't like those kind of Mm-hmm. You know, conclusions based on, I know there are records somewhere that establish or don't. Right. And at the point that Stuart Rose, the founder of the Oath Keepers, was indicted, mm-hmm. that indictment plus the plea deal of another person, Joshua James, you link documents together. And where is it that they say the whole thing started for the Oath Keepers? Hmm. at Thomas Caldwell's farm. Okay. And you look at that and you say, Governor Whitmer, part Mm -hmm. two. Uh Mm -hmm. Well, and let's unpack just briefly the Governor Whitmer Mm -hmm. thing, because that also was a recent news breaking story. Just, I think that last week. First of all, what is the story so that the listeners can remember what was going on? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to defer to counsel. Right. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm sorry, but we so so now that we do have a jury verdict of two full acquittals plus two hung on some of the counts, now we can say it as the truth that it is. Mm-hmm. So a small group of men hung out in the woods jabber jawing. This is a common occurrence in America of all political persuasions. Mm-hmm. At a certain point in time, a neighbor overhears this conversation, becomes alarmed, contacts the FBI. The FBI decides to send in an undercover agent to become part of the group of men in the woods talking, trash talk, and listen. Mm -hmm. It's not pretty. Right. It's not polite. It's not respectful of our elected officials of government. Right. However, it's not illegal. Right. 
it is the FBI in one or more agents who put together a plot for these men to go ahead and kidnap the governor of Michigan. It became an executable plan. It became a plan that then included some supplies and some actual steps moving towards this fantastical plot because it really was ridiculous. I mean, if you look at the plot, it's hard for me to say it would ever have worked, mm -hmm. but that is not the standard of what becomes criminal. Right. It is the intention of people to commit the crime. Mm -hmm. So the jury correctly focused on the but for. But for mm -hmm. this FBI agent showing up, but for the FBI agent escalating the situation, these men mm -hmm. would not have taken these steps. Right. And that's they would have just stayed in the woods, definition jabber jawing away. Yes. Yeah. And so Possibly. if if we have a, a trial where the jury heard all the sides and they mm -hmm. realized and they decided, all mm -hmm. right, except for the the uh, rabble rousing of the FBI agents right. in there stirring things up and writing down plans and gathering yeah. uh, equipment, pushing them supplies, to do it. Yes. This, this would never have happened. These few men would have never even gone beyond talking about this Governor Whitmer and, and kidnapping her. So Correct. how big of a leap is it? I think none at all. It's to be it's able to no go. Leap. That no is exactly leap. what was in play on January yes. 6th. It's absolutely one of the elements. And I do think that there were several, but it is to me a critical element. We know from studying the FBI across its history that this is one of their common plays. Mm -hmm. We see it against socialists and communists mm -hmm. in the 1910s to 1950s. We see it against Black Americans and Native Americans rising up in the 60s and 70s. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a really like a bad rerun mm -hmm. on TV. But I think those to the right of moderates seem to have felt themselves impervious to mm. FBI penetration mm. and looked across the aisle and said, well, we don't want communism. And so that's okay. Or we'll quietly, if we don't say it's okay, we'll simply quietly allow it to happen. Which of course is the nature of the problem that we are facing in 2022 after the last three years mm -hmm. is the axis needs to be spun off of left right into people versus government yes and yes. we need to be resetting those boundaries yeah all of us all Absolutely. of us to a much more moderate stance basis what we've been looking at Absolutely. It's, and when you think about, you know, in the second amendment world, right. We're gun store owners. We still are in the firearms business through our auction house. And, you know, there were times and conversations that have come up over the years uh, where we felt like even in the moment, but definitely in retrospect, we felt like that was sort of, that could have been happening to us. Like, Yes. Somebody gets in there and they start yes. saying, here's something you could do, or like enticing you to, to buy mm -hmm. something that could be illegal or something like that. And it just smacked of, there's something very theatrical happening here. It doesn't feel 
organic. It doesn't feel real. And, uh, thank God we never would even think about putting our toe over any line like mm-hmm. that, no matter how enticed we were, mm-hmm. but not everybody has that benefit of, you know, uh, pints or, you know, like our spidey tinglers were up, yes. you know, that kind of thing. And so, especially when you have this massive crowd on January 6th, mm-hmm. it's on every side of the building. Uh, people's emotions are already heightened, whether they're excited to be there or whether they're angry about the election mm. or you know, whatever the case may be, how, how much rabble rousing could it possibly take to get people excited right. enough, especially when there's, I don't remember the guy's name, but he kept showing up on social media posts and people were saying, who is this guy? Uh, who was saying things like, we got to go in there and we got to do something about this. And the crowd around him even started shouting like fed, 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 like they, their spidey sing, uh, senses were tingling. Do you remember that guy's name? I, I can't think of it right now. I do. I, I hate to keep repeating his name because everybody keeps asking me about him. And I would say he's just such know. an outlier to the whole situation. Yeah. Um, well, we don't need to go there. I, I tend to sort of stick a little bit closer to, I mean, I can play across, let me play across the Guy Reffitt. Okay. So he was actually the first trial and Guy Reffitt is one of the men you described. Okay. So he was at the front of the crowd. He was go. pushing against the metal bicycle style rack. Mm-hmm. He was enticing the crowd and saying we need to be doing this in fact the doj papers literally included that he had been injured Mm -hmm. by law enforcement officers as Mm -hmm. part of that initial pushback and pepper stray to the face and and so forth so here we have a defendant with a very dynamic set of paperwork Mm-hmm. And there's no allegation he's part of a larger group or that he's part of a conspiracy or that anything in particular ahead of time, although I suppose um, at the moment, the press is loving to burn anyone who they think they can call a three percenter. Right. Uh, right. So, you know, we'll kind of leave that where it is. But he got to the building, decided he had done his part and went home. Hmm. Literally just walked back out through the crowd, back to his hotel, checks out, drives home from Washington, D.C. to Texas. And he ends up getting convicted on all five counts in large part because after he gets home, he threatens his two teenage children by saying traitors get shot. His 16-year-old daughter took it in the context of who he was. She testified at his pretrial detention hearing and said, no, I'm not afraid of my father. Yes, he talks gruffly. Um, The 18 year old son, however, had already called the FBI in December to say, my father is talking about January 6th and talking about going after Congress and talking in ways that are violent. He then, after the father says these words, traitors get shot, contacts the FBI again, walks out of the house and no longer lives with his mother and sister. The FBI, excuse me, the DOJ called the son to testify at trial. They did not call the daughter. 
Mm. Defense counsel did not call the daughter either. I don't know what the decision-making process was there. Mm-hmm. But for me, living with January 6th on a way more than full-time job basis, <laughs> I really question the whole guy refit piece. Mm. What caused him to just spontaneously go to mm-hmm. Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. participate actively mm-hmm. in the physical, take physical, give physical. Mm-hmm. And so I have a separate bucket, if you will, mm-hmm. for persons like Guy Reffitt, and it's your barroom guy. Mm-hmm. It's the guy who shows up for the fight, who senses there's going to be one, who doesn't mind it. And that's kind of his role. So we have in another bucket what we've just been talking about. So FBI agents. Mm-hmm. And of course, the director of the FBI saying, well, I don't know how many agents there were there that day. No, no, no. Talk about let's hold a witness in contempt. Someone charge him for that answer. But in another bucket, I think we have to realize that anytime there is sufficient signaling that there could be a melee, Mm -hmm. there are going to be people who will show up for the melee. Mm -hmm. And so I think that really for January 6th, there was a point at which The FBI lost control of their own confidential informants, their own agents. Mm -hmm. They started making phone calls ahead of January 6th to people around the country saying, don't come. Mm -hmm. Enrique Tarrio gets picked up on something completely unrelated on the Monday and told, stay out of Washington, Mm D.C. Defendant Jeremy Michael Brown is called the afternoon of January 6th. And his handler is saying, where are you? And he's Mm -hmm. saying, I'm on the grass. And they're saying, get out get out of there. So I think we've got a few divergent dynamics that were going on. Mm -hmm. And you add on top of that, Democrats hoping this would look bad for President Trump. Mm -hmm. And you get to the quote in last week's Washington Post that I was hoping is exactly what was on President Trump's mind. So he finally gave an interview. I'm Mm -hmm. so jealous. A reporter got to go down to Mar-a-Lago, talk with the president for 45 minutes. And President Trump literally said when he saw this unfolding on TV the afternoon of January 6th, what crossed his mind was Nancy's got this. Hmm. It wasn't the White House under siege. Mm -hmm. It never was the White House under siege. Mm -hmm. He's in charge over there. Mm-hmm. She's in charge over here. Mm-hmm. That Capitol building has a speaker of the house. Mm-hmm. And she ran and hid. Mm-hmm. Or did she? Yeah. Nobody's ever asked her a question. Right. And I can't help weird. but wonder if this isn't also from the Democrat side of the coin here, mm-hmm. something that they were happy to hear mm-hmm. was going to be a protest marched from the ellipse to Mm -hmm. the Capitol, never thinking the logical thought they should have been thinking, you get that many people, you get this, this much run up, this could get out of hand. Yeah. And where was she? Right. Where was her voice at the microphone to say, stand down. Yeah. Close the doors, get on the PA system. Pull the fire alarm for heaven's sakes. 
put sprinklers on on everybody to get them out. You know, right. there were so many choices she could have made. And as a woman, so separate out all the politics here, but as a woman, I'm standing in my living room that afternoon saying, where is she? Mm. Where is she? Any news media would have picked her up live. Anybody. Yeah. Wouldn't have mattered if she was just on the phone. Right. She would have been on every station. She could have helped to, if you will, engage the signaling function mm -hmm. to get a message out. Whether people would have listened, I cannot say, mm -hmm. but a very obvious step was not taken. The other obvious step for me, the fourth bucket, no arrests, mm -hmm. not a single arrest. What a confused mixed message to that crowd. Mm -hmm. Not a single person is being arrested. Mm -hmm. that is a major part of American criminal law mm -hmm. the putting on of the handcuffs the walking of the perpetrator to the car mm -hmm. how that makes people stand back especially mm -hmm. people with no criminal record right as most most of these January 6th defendants no criminal record by the DOJ's own paperwork right. no criminal record you set them up yeah. You set them up for failure in a very significant outcome that has changed people's lives to the point, even of Matthew Perna passing away. That's not American justice. That's not American democracy. That's not how the U.S. Capitol is supposed to function. Right. right. The guy that was acquitted. So the guy that mm -hmm. was acquitted. Yes. He, yep. How much money did he have to spend to, mm. to defend himself? Or, and was he offered a plea deal? I, I do, I cannot say whether he was offered a plea deal in general, plea negotiations are not made part of a record and it okay. can result in a mistrial if that is discussed. Okay. Uh, so that I would not know. Uh, he did have private counsel an attorney in private practice and let's hope that the attorney <laughs> made some kind of a deal, but right. Um, in general, if you're talking about trial days, you think of 10 hour days, every day of trial, think of at least double the amount of trial days in prep days. So you're talking about at least six, 10 hour days, that's at least 60 hours, just on the hearing aspect of it. Plus you have all the months coming yeah. before. So if it's me, you're somewhere in the range of 40 to $60,000, right. depending on how much pre-trial work was done that I'm not seeing uh, because of the limited amount of papers right. that were filed. Yeah. But we look to a couple of the other cases, for example, the defense attorney for Kelly Meggs, uh, one of my core defendants who I am tracking, and he actually has made a number of very interesting motions and requests for subpoenas to be signed by the court. And I know every time I see a piece of paper, right, it just you see the, the dollar signs that go with yeah. it. So to your earlier point, Dan, it, yes, it is very difficult for an average American who may have only had an attorney for a simple will or a house purchase, yeah. uh, setting up an LLC, you know, for yeah. your, your auction house. It's very difficult when you hear an estimate for legal fees or you hear, I think more to the point with these cases, the amount of time involved. Mm -hmm. So some of these defendants, like Mr. Meggs, who I reference, you know, charged very early, now incarcerated in prison this entire mm -hmm. time with projected trial dates out into December 2022. 
And you think about serving two years in a federal prison that in Washington, D.C. is so deplorable Mm -hmm. that a judge even ordered an investigation of the conditions Mm -hmm. that these more than 35 men and women are suffering while they're in pretrial detention. Mm -hmm. And it, it gets to be a very difficult thing to say, all right, I'm going to stand up for my rights. I'm going to go the distance like Mr. Martin. Um, like Mr. Reffitt, even though, if you will, he lost. Mm-hmm. Mr. Reffitt now has rights of appeal that are mm-hmm. automatic. We'll see what an appellate division thinks. Mm-hmm. But if we don't get defendants able to go the distance with competent counsel, we are never going to find out right. what happened. Right. Because the January 6th commission, as far as I am concerned, conducting itself behind closed doors Mm -hmm. is about as illegal as it gets yes so i I don't view anything they're doing as valid Mm -hmm. i hope that the rest of the people don't do a plea because yes we have these trials stuff Mm -hmm. to get out yes but but what's this thing that we're guaranteed a speedy trial and you say two years Mm -hmm. how is that what's the definition of a speedy trial Hmm. It, you know, I'm going to make little kid twisty faces. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, uh, and uh, it's very difficult. I don't want to be an armchair quarterback. Mm-hmm. But defense attorneys far and wide in these prosecutions are consistently stipulating to waive speedy trial dates and rules. For me... I, I completely understand the balance that you, if there are Brady materials, meaning if there are exculpatory materials that the government has that could exonerate your client and you're not privy to them and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I think in these cases, especially for, if you will, the lesser misdemeanors of if you're representing a client who stood on the grass or who walked in for three minutes and walked out sort of a thing where the allegations against your client do not involve violence, do not Mm -hmm. involve interaction with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. My gut instinct at the start of all of this was hold the government's feet to the fire. Mm. Because I do not think that the Department of Justice is properly charging people. I think Mm -hmm. the charges are too high. And I think, especially if you look at, for example, Kelly Meggs, Kenneth Harrelson, Jessica Watkins, three of these supposed Oath Keepers who are in prison this whole time, the DOJ is now on its eighth superseding indictment. And in fact, they pulled a stunt where they split the defendants. So now it looks like they're still on the first indictment for some of them because now they have a new case number. Oh my gosh. And it's just, it's a trick. And they keep upcharging and changing the charges. And then defense counsel has to figure out, you know, what discovery is relevant or not to the actual charges. So this may have been a situation where you somewhat needed to strap your client into the seat behind you on the F-15 mm-hmm. and go straight vertical. Mm-hmm. And Maybe you're going to faint in flight Mm -hmm. and there is a downside risk to it because Mm -hmm. it potentially then involves incarceration. Mm -hmm. But I, it's a strategy that no defense counsel employed. Mm 
-hmm. I think in large part because they bought into the technology and DOJ saying, oh, we're going to set up these platforms. Oh, you're going to get to see the video cameras inside the Capitol. And so they've turned it into sort of Disneyland for Mm. defense attorneys, Mm. as opposed to looking at the papers filed, right? saying, wait a minute, this is a 37-page document. And I'm not exaggerating here for the home viewing audience. If you don't know me, I'm not prone to exaggeration. I am extremely literal. For some of the early defendants, 37-page document, and there might have been one sentence that named a co-defendant. Go to trial. Go to trial. They've got nothing. Right. Right. They've got nothing. You say that there's a risk, you know, going vertical, you know, there's a risk of incarceration. Well, a lot Mm -hmm. of these people are incarcerated anyway. Well, 35 out of more than 800, it's still a small number, but it is serious. Unless you're one of the 35 that's in jail right now. Yes. 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 And and it the thing is in what why not bond? I mean, and then you look at okay, so this this last one, I'm, I have a bad name, bad with names, but the mm-hmm. last guy, they Enrique said that, Tario. right, he says that uh, restricted building, entering a restricted building, right. well, the judge says you waved, you waved, the police waved him in, it's no oh, longer, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Martin, building. yeah, it's yes, no I longer a restricted building, yes. can't they use right. that to help some of these other cases, saying, whoa, wait, Possibly. wait, you know, it's not po- restricted. Possibly, but I am not aware of any of the defense attorneys making the arguments where I start my book, mm-hmm. but the U.S. Capitol was open. Mm-hmm. I am watching attorney after attorney literally stipulate that the Capitol was closed. And I have no evidence that it was closed. All what the time evidence- did the guy give the order again? 12.52 p.m. And the first, the first persons did not, according to, again, Chief Sun's own testimony to Congress, February 2021, the first persons did not appear coming towards the Capitol until after 1 p.m. Well, so then I guess they could technically say that this guy closed a previously open building and then people entered a closed building. And, and so, yes, so let's go with a 1252 Chief Sun closed the building. Let's forget about anything prior to that minute. Let's credit his testimony. He closed it. Mm-hmm. What's great is then you get into the details. Mm-hmm. What was the shutdown? Mm-hmm. What was the shutdown procedure? Okay. How was persons external of the building notified mm-hmm. that the building was either closed or in the process of being closed? Right. And let me tell you how little notice there was. There was so little notice, and this is set out in my book, so little notice that the joint session of Congress continued for more than an hour. Mm-hmm. Right. They went out upon, upon their normal business of counting the electoral votes. Right. They split out of joint into separate chambers for the Arizona objection. Mm-hmm. So for more than an hour, not even the members of Congress or the vice president of the United States was made aware that the building was being shut down for security reasons. Mm-hmm. How was an ordinary American supposed to know if the Secret Service protecting the vice president did Excellent. not even move him? Excellent point. So that's where I'm saying with defense attorneys and this whole reasonable doubt, mm-hmm. 
who was on notice outside that building? What was the nature of that notice? Was it sufficient notice to stop the person? Mm -hmm. And to me, the answer to those questions is no. And I know DOJ is trying this sort of last minute argument in some of their papers that they're amending Mm -hmm. that a person has come upon a scene and it's chaos. That's the notice. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because for the type of person Mm-hmm. at the ellipse mm-hmm. for the type of person you are for the type of person I am mm-hmm. that would have pulled me to the capital mm-hmm. that would have made me say oh my goodness what is happening is my help needed mm-hmm. and that's yeah. exactly the defense of Jessica Watkins is mm-hmm. I went into the building to say who needs help getting out I have medical training mm. wow and, here and she, so she me who might have you know not gone in in the first place Right. Or might have been still leisurely strolling down the avenue to go to the Capitol, stick a picture of just the building. That would have been enough for me. You know, do some chanting. The voting count is going on. I'm trusting Senator Cruz to lead the charge there. Mm -hmm. I don't want to disrupt him. I want the process Mm -hmm. followed. Mm -hmm. But then if that's what I was seeing. Right. I would absolutely have said what needs to happen here. Who needs help? Yeah. Yeah. So keep this in mind, if I, if I go to the Capitol mm-hmm. on an opening day mm-hmm. and there's 500 people in the building, mm-hmm. but I go up and I start breaking stuff, is all 500 people guilty? According to the DOJ, yes. They're trying mm-hmm. to argue theory of mob. Mm-hmm. That, you know, whatever the worst actor is in the mob transfers to all of us. That's well, so the worst crazy. actor in the mob was USCP officer Michael Bird. The only gun that was discharged was the bullet that killed Ashley Babbitt. It was not the people's side of the confusion that was going on inside the Capitol. Right. Paloma, you have got to keep this work up. You have Mm -hmm. got to uncover this because so many times, you know, Fast and Furious, I can name off several of these entrapment charades that the fbi atf and federal governments do somewhere we've got to we've got to catch them and they keep twisting the they keep twisting it around and make it look like they're not guilty but there's too much there's too much evidence and we do have to wrap up now unfortunately we have run out of time but i know there's so much more that you're unfolding that you're going to write about (laughs) we were saying off air this is like an (laughs) onion inside of an onion Yes. And it just so. reveal it does stink and it does burn <laughs> your eyes a bit, makes you tear up. I like the analogy. Um, but thank you so much for uh, all thank you. of yeah. this work. And I hope that people are buying your books and and using yeah. them to educate themselves and their and each other, like you had said, I think on your website, maybe that the new one. It is, mm-hmm. it's much smaller than the this skinny. One. I call yes. it the skinny. The, <laughs> skinny. the skinny. And the like, next one, the next one is in progress for those of you who want to know. And it's the mini skinny. Yeah. <laughs> and it will be a six by nine. And it's January six questions. Nice. The only six questions that matter to I which like we it. do not yet have answers. I like it. That is awesome. And you say, uh, you know, leave that like, donate one to the library, like leave them around so that yes. others can be accidentally even educated yes. because the news has a whole different way of approaching this and the things that they 
lie by omission and I believe they're lying by commission, many of them. And you are just the facts, ma'am. Here is what we know. Here's what we don't yet know, but intelligent questions we could be asking. It's so important. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Tell folks how they can continue to follow you and support your work by buying these books. Sure. I am at 2ampatriot.com and $5 will get you the skinny. I love it. All right. Thank you so much. We are definitely going to have you you back on again. Thanks for all that you do. Good to see you both. You as well. Bye-bye, Miss Paloma. Here. Bye. Oh I'm fired God. up. Right, it it's just, just like it's it's nonsense. Your hair on and fire. you know who who regulates the media? The government does, right? Some some form, right? It it they're telling them what to say. When the FBI, or they're telling them not to say. When the FBI turns on the citizens of this nation to create division, to create crimes a fake thing just and we know it we know it from so many times just like you said fast and furious but we know it most recently from the governor whitmer thing even the news told us that so probably it's far worse than what we even know because the news is covering for stuff like this it's abhorrent it goes it goes against our constitution, but it's the exact reason. Why and you want me to pray for our politics? I do. What do you want me to pray? That that they will find a, a deeper sense of purpose than turning on their fellow citizen. I know that sometimes prayers make miracles happen, Cheryl. But I think you got some stuff to learn here on this one. Okay. I am a believer, and I, I, I still just kidding. I am too, because. To we can get this generation of corrupt leaders mm-hmm. out of our life right. in November. Right. Suppose that our prayers caused the next FBI agent who's getting ready to entrap somebody to go, what am I, what am I doing? Yeah. Right. Like, why would I do that? Right. Why would I help this person rather than, you know, continue to, to dig at right. their discontent and the division? Even if my boss has something on me and he's making me do it, right. I'm not going to do it anyway. It's, but it's, it's terrible. Sad, sad it, statement. It but is it's the exact <clears throat> reason why we had founders, right? Right. Who wrote these words? They knew that there was going to be corrupt people, and they hey. were divided. They had to <laughs> oh, yeah. fight back and forth <clears throat> and, I, and get to the point of all right, this is what we can agree on. So division all by itself is not necessarily a bad thing. Right, arguing isn't necessarily a bad thing. Well, I haven't seen that movie towards a greater goal. I haven't seen that musical that you always quote, Hamilton. Hamilton. It's so good. But I, I don't know. But you know what? I really want to thank Paloma Capana for um, putting the energy that she has in this. And there's nothing in there that's that's uh, out of this world. It's Mm -hmm. facts. Like she said, she doesn't really exaggerate. If she says it's 37, then guess what? It's 37. So um, I I really appreciate what you're doing. Paloma, thank you very much for that. Thanks Mm -hmm. to our listeners Mm -hmm. that uh, hopefully we'll see a light bulb flash Mm -hmm. and uh, say, you know what? It's time to stop this, right? No, it's so true. Um, 
so much more to say. We'll have to save it for the next time we have Paloma on. Uh, I, I can't imagine diving into a work like this the way that she has, but thank God she has. Yeah. Um, and you can support her by just going to her website and buying a couple of the, the books up and, and yeah. sharing them with people in your world. So yes, thank you to Capanna. Thank you to our amazing listeners all over the world. We recognize you. We value you. Thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing the message of these subject matter experts with your uh, spheres of influence. Um, if you want to go back and watch this episode or share this episode with a friend or see any of our episodes, you can go to our YouTube channel, our gunstreamer.com channel. Please subscribe and click for notifications. And also uh, the Ops Lens smartphone app. But if you like to listen only, the audio only version, go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com and click the on demand tab so that you may kind of like binge listen to like your content of your heart. That kind of thing. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm sorry. Binge listens to your heart's content, darling. I, was, I, got, I like got messed up. Switched there. it up a little bit. Yeah. That's good. Um, and also, if you want to see, uh, get the links to Paloma's website and all the works that she's done or any of our guests, click the guest tab. It's a tremendous resource. And uh, when you spend time there, we don't hate that. Mm -hmm. All right. Until next time, we're going to pray for our nation, pray for our leaders, pray for our leaders, even the ones you don't like, especially the ones you don't like, even the one pray for our FBI. Holy cow. They are off the rails. They're on the wrong side of and the a, Department a of noble profession. DOJ is need some work. DOJ, pray for the CIA. Pray it's a mess. For, the whole thing's a mess. Yeah. Yeah. All pray right. for our elections in November. Pray for our elections in November. That they count. That they're real. Amen. Right. All right. Until next time, be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Bye bye.